0: One of my favorite things to do is explore history. When we can explore history that we're all tied to in some way, it makes it exciting. Our next guest, Larry Jorgensen, he wrote a unique set of books, and he takes us down a historical path, a journey through the history of Coca-Cola. This is a fascinating man with a fascinating story. Let's get into it.
1: Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be around this wild, wacky, and sometimes disturbing world of ours. Yes, that's the intro to the Mindset Podcast, a weekly attempt to open eyes and shedding light on what's really going on in the world, all done by ripping apart the media madness that masquerades as news. Join me, Gareth Davis, every Sunday on the Mindset Podcast. You can find the show on all major podcasting services, such as iTunes, Stitcher, and so on. Or you can go directly to the main Mindset website. That's www.mindsetcentral.com. Check out the Mindset Podcast. Bring your curiosity, your opinions, and a sense of humor. And remember that some worldviews are stranger than others.
0: To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn... We must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today our guest is Larry Jorgensen. We are going to talk about a very iconic brand name, Coca-Cola. Larry, could you please introduce yourself and let people know just a little bit about you and what you do?
2: Well, right now I'm I'm a, a writer, an author, I guess. We've written a few books about Coca-Cola, but uh my background is is totally media. Uh, as a, a youngster, I was brought up in a weekly newspaper. Went from there into radio news and uh, yeah, daily newspaper news and TV news, and so I, I guess it, you know what they I'm what they call an old news dog. You know, I I I like to write about things that have happened. I like to write about history, and I've become fascinated by the people that had been involved and are still involved in the world of Coca-Cola. Uh, we're not talking about Atlanta, and we're not talking about corporate uh, Coca-Cola. We're talking about these families all over the United States that uh, thought, gee, you know, that's that's a pretty interesting product. Maybe we should get involved. And uh, generations later, they sure are glad they did.
0: Well, I'll tell you, media is one heck of a thing to be in, and it can lead you in all sorts of directions. It so happened to lead you in the direction of unsurfacing new things about Coca-Cola that a lot of us forgot about. What got you into Coca cola <laughs> why did I do this? Yeah,
2: why did I do this? yeah, uh, Because i i'm not I am not one of these avid coca cola collectors and and gosh knows they've bought a lot of my books, uh, and I enjoy the beverage within limits, you know, I don't have to have one every day, like some people. What happened was I was doing some freelance writing, and I had learned about the city of Vicksburg, Mississippi where Coca-Cola was first bottled, not Atlanta, Vicksburg, Mississippi. It was first put in a bottle. And there's a little, uh, I guess you'd call it museum, a restored uh, soda fountain-type uh, place there that's a museum, and, and that's where it was first done. And I also realized that not too far away, about 60, 70 miles, there was also another Coca-Cola museum uh, that was actually represented the family that did this. And that's in Monroe, Louisiana. So I thought, now there's a good travel feature. Two interesting Coca-Cola pieces of history within easy driving of each other. So I set out to, to do a freelance travel story. Well, by the time I got to the second one, I had learned enough about coca-cola history and was fortunate enough to meet some of the people some of the families that i realized this is much more than a little story this is certainly a book it's all over the country these are great stories and in talking to the families of original coca-cola bottlers they said you know no one's ever done this before it's always been about coca-cola and atlanta you know corporate operation so i got so much support from the families that really created coca-cola and i just set out to do the journey and i called it the coca-cola trail because that's where we went was down a trail to find all kinds of new and exciting places you know um memorial day weekend is kind of traditionally the kickoff to picnics and summer cooking and that sort of thing. And it really is interesting because it was a summer picnic that was sort of the initiative uh, to put Coca-Cola in a bottle. And you say, why? Well, Joe B. Narn, he had a little soda shop and he had a candy business and, you know, he would take care of, of people when they'd come in or he would cater events And uh, it so happened he had to cater a summertime picnic, bring them sodas and candy and goodies, you know. So when he he put in an order, there was a small bottler in Vicksburg that was bottling what they did in those days. They called soda water, orange and lemon and sarsaparilla. And so he put in an order for some product to take to the picnic he was catering. Well, as it turned out, it was a busy. Picnic weekend, and his order could not be filled. So poor Joe had to go to the picnic and make lemonade for everybody. He said after that experience, never again, never again. And he w- went to St. Louis, bought a second-hand bottling machine, you know, one man, one foot power type thing and brought it back with the idea he would bottle, you know, his own soda water for future events. What so happened, Joe also was a distributor for the Coca-Cola syrup, which he was making the Coca-Cola drinks at his fountain, like a lot of people were in those days, especially uh, drugstores that had soda fountains. Well, it became so popular, this was 1894 now, that Joe thought, you know, if I could get this product to the people in the country, they would really appreciate it, and I'd sell a lot more. And he thought about that bottling machine, and he put Coca-Cola in a bottle. And that's how it all started. Ironically, after he he did his first few cases, he sent two of them to Coca-Cola Corporate in Atlanta. And at that point, it was uh, owned by Asa Candler. And and Mr. Candler wrote him back a note and said, Yeah, it's okay, uh, but he wasn't real excited about it. And Ed Joe got a little upset because uh he never got his bottles back, you know. <laughs> but anyhow, so for about five years, the only place where Coca Cola was bottled was in Vicksburg, Mississippi, by Joe Biedenharn. And that's the first couple chapters of, of our book. Well Later on, about five years later, there's two ambitious young attorneys in Chattanooga. One of them had been in the Spanish-American War in Cuba and had tasted a bottled product called Pina Fria, cold pineapple. And he loved Coca-Cola. So he gets back to Chattanooga. He gets his buddy, and they go to Atlanta, and they talk to Mr. Candler. They want the rights to bottle Coca-Cola. It took them two days to convince him that that they should have the rights to bottle. He told them, he said, This is really a dumb idea to bottle my Coca-Cola syrup. But I guess they wore him down. He gave them the rights to bottle Coca-Cola throughout the United States except Mississippi for one dollar. Sold the whole works for a dollar, and he told them in the process, if this doesn't work, Don't come back crying to me about it. Well, they go back to Chattanooga. They've got $1,500 between the two of them, and they realize they've got a bottle of Coca-Cola for the entire country. So they, they set up a little bottling plant, and that's not the answer. But the light goes on, and they said, wait a minute. We've got the rights. Let's, you know, they call it franchising. Let's start selling territories. And there, my friend, is how Coca-Cola took off. They would sell a franchise. You want a bottle Coca-Cola in Paducah, Kentucky? That's great. We'll sell you a 50-mile territory for X amount of dollars. And the little proviso in the deal, you have to use, of course, Coca-Cola syrup when you make the product. Well, that was fine, except every time the bottler bought Coca-Cola syrup, the two boys back in Chattanooga got a commission on that. So they made money as it went on, and they became very prosperous simply selling the Coca Cola syrup. But there, Ed, to make it, to, I didn't make a long story short. I made it longer, probably. But anyhow, <laughs> that is how Coca Cola really took off. I mean, what a fantastic thing to have a product where people would buy into your product. And then work very hard to sell your product all over the country. You know that's that's what started the Coca Cola Empire. Ambitious young businessmen.
0: Well, you know it's very ambitious, but also brilliant because Coca Cola is one of the iconic marketers and their advertising. I know anybody around the world that can't sing a jingle for Coca-Cola, you know, these iconic things that happen because of Coke in our lives, a lot of people don't recognize. So uh,
2: It's Coca-Cola memories. Everybody's got yeah. one.
0: Yes, of course. You know, I did not realize until I started doing research for this interview that because of Coca-Cola and their ingenious way of getting people to try this product, They came up with the coupons that we use today, basically. You know, they would slip a coupon out for people to go down to their soda fountain and try a Coca-Cola for free. And I never realized the the power and the reach that Coca-Cola had in our lives until – I started researching for this interview.
2: They were so smart in putting their name on so many products and in so many places. Okay. Uh, you know, and it, it's interesting, and we talk about it in the book the Coca Cola murals on the sides of buildings in communities, they're raising money to restore these murals because of the Coca Cola memories that exist within that community. You know, they're paying money to have basically an outdoor ad restored and preserved. Show me another brand that does that. You know, it's amazing. You know, Asa Candler, when uh, they really started to take off with this thing and they were putting Coca-Cola signs all over the country, he once boasted to the movie makers in Hollywood. He said, the day is coming when you won't be able to make a movie outside without there being a Coca-Cola sign in the background. It came pretty close.
0: That's pretty good intuition, isn't
2: it? It sure is. But uh, you know, and you talk about the international appeal. Um, I'm up, you know, I'm up here in in central Louisiana. and I have done interviews, believe it or not, and they've found me with with a, a radio guy in Dubai who was interested in Coca-Cola. I've done several with with England, you know, and it's the magic of the name Coca-Cola. But it wasn't always an easy sell for them. You know, the early bottlers, they were probably bottling the other drinks too, the sodas, you know, the oranges and that. And what they would do when a customer, you know, a store would order a case of mixed drinks, they'd slip a couple of Cokes in there to get them to try it, you know, (laughs) anything to get it. Because it is so different. You know, in those days, the taste was so different than what people expected to come out of a bottle that sometimes they were cautious and it was hard to get them to try it. But uh, once they did it It just took off. It's amazing what's happened with that product,
0: Yes, they've got strong recognition, that's for sure, and you know it started out as an elixir uh pemberton he I guess he used it as an elixir. He came up with this right for uh cure all well, what happened? oh Pemberton
2: you know fought in the Civil War and he was injured in the Civil War. So when he came back uh, to actually not Atlanta, but uh, Columbus, Georgia, uh, he w- was sort of a, a druggist, I guess. You could, he was in the drugstore business, a pharmacist, and he decided he needed to come up with something to alleviate his pain from his Civil War injury. So that you're right. He invented it not as a beverage to necessarily have uh, great recreational value, but it was for medicinal purposes. And the very first ones were, in fact, sold at a drugstore in Atlanta, Georgia. When he finally perfected it, he had moved to Atlanta. He, he finally got a batch going that he was happy with, and he took it to the Jacobs Drugstore, and they sold it again for medicinal purposes, you know. Uh, but people liked it anyhow.
0: Yeah, and another fact that I found out that the iconic start of Coca-Cola didn't really happen until 1898 when the federal tax on medicine made Coca-Cola kind of shift and become this iconic beverage that we all know today.
2: Yeah, he was actually first started out – with with a uh, a beverage that had some wine in it. Yes. So, that's it, right. so so it had some alcohol content. Well when the tax came along, he said, "All right, I am going to get rid of the alcohol in my beverage." And therein was born Coca-Cola. I, I, the name I think was called uh something wine I'm, I forget. You maybe you know it, Ed, but well, in any in any case he changed the name and he changed the formula. And avoided the tax.
0: Yes, uh, that's exactly right. And I don't offhand remember what they called that wine sauce, (laughs) but it's incredible that what started off as an elixir came out to be a fountain drink that everybody in the world basically has enjoyed at least one today.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, and the, the, the new, they, they're constantly coming out with sometimes keeping sometimes, well, that was a good idea. Uh, new, new flavors, new developments, but that's, uh, I have recently tried the new Coca-Cola coffee. I don't know if you've seen that one yet, if it's out in your area, uh, it's in three flavors and, uh, I thought, well, let's try it and see. It's pretty good. And uh, I get the dark. I I buy the Coca-Cola. It's called Coca-Cola with coffee. And there's uh, three flavors. The one I get is the dark flavor. And what I've found, and Coca-Cola probably wouldn't like me to say this, but I've found that if you open a can and let it sit till it gets flat, It's even better because the coffee flavor comes through stronger with the carbonation uh, cut back.
0: Well, I'm surely going to try that.
2: Yeah, Coca-Cola coffee, and uh, it's doing rather well, at least in the stores around here. I see the the displays are are running low every time I go in there. So apparently it's popular. But, you know, the the idea that that, uh, not everything they do, They keep, you know, uh, a good example, just recently, like within the past year and a half, they introduced in the United States the product that they had been selling in England, which was an energy drink, Coca-Cola Energy. And um, they introduced it and put all their Coca-Cola might behind it. But, you know, Coca-Cola also has a partial ownership in Monster The energy drink, and they were in—in fact—competing with themselves. Although they don't have controlling interest in Monster, they have a pretty good chunk of it, and they have just announced within the past week that it's their intention to—they—they actually did a little survey of—you know—percentage of products sold. And they were running a poor third in that category, and a very poor third. And they thought, no, we're going to eliminate in the United States Coca-Cola Energy and uh, wish Monster well because we've got some investment there too. So, you know, and it's it's interesting. They get into the things. I don't know if in your area, uh, when you go in the grocery store into the dairy department, you see this milk called Fair Life. Yeah, but all right. Fair Life started out as a, a company with an idea, and produced a very good uh, grade of milk. Coca Cola bought them, lock, stock, it. first they bought into it, and they were so impressed with it that they bought the whole thing. So if you buy Fair Life milk, you're buying a Coca Cola product. You know, just like Minute made orange juice. You know, it's a Coca Cola product. You know, uh, and that and that's one of the things that has allowed them to have the financial strength to do the things to promote the old parent brand, which is Coca-Cola. It's an amazing company.
0: Yes, it is. You know, it's like the third largest in the world in companies. And that's amazing. It, It has been around forever. And their longevity, it appears they're staying for quite some time. You know, they're smart
2: enough to know what's going to watch the trends. Uh, I had someone with Coca-Cola tell me, and I presume this is to be true, uh, that they have three different uh, divisions when it comes to new products and marketing. One division is, what do we do about the stuff that's good, that we're selling a lot of, and where are we going? What's the next step? The the other group is kind of in the middle. They're the ones that say, well, I think we've got an idea. Let's put some time and effort into this. And then the third group is one that looks at ideas and says, you know, this is not going to fly, but we'll try a little bit and see what happens. They're always
0: looking. They're always trying. Yes. Research and development. It's a good thing. (laughs) So you wrote a book, The Coca-Cola Trail. It is 30 chapters and over over 200 pages. How long did it take you to research and write the book? Well, that, that book took two and a half years. And,
2: you know, not every day, every hour of every day, but a considerable amount of my time. A lot of travel, a lot of research, a lot of talking to Coca-Cola families, um, talking to historical associations to get old clippings and photographs and, you know, that type of thing. So, it, And I was learning... My Way Down the Trail. I have since come out just recently with a second book called Return to the Coca-Cola Trail. And that one took about a year and a half. Uh, it, It was interesting. I hadn't intended to do book number two. But book number one went over so well that people started either emailing me or if they'd see me, they'd say, well, what about? You didn't have in your book about, you know. So the next thing I know, I've got a stack of whatabouts. And I start researching those, and uh, lo and behold, there's book number two, Return to the Coca-Cola Trail. Uh, again, it's a, it's over 200 pages, a lot of um, old photographs. I like the old photographs, you know. In fact, in the very uh, first chapter where we talk about um, Vicksburg, uh, I've got a photo in there that shows a black gentleman um, on a wagon an open wagon pulled by a mule that's loaded with Coca-Cola cases. And uh, we have taken the liberty to give him the title of being the world's first Coca-Cola delivery man, which he probably was. (laughs) He was was in Vicksburg, and that's where they bottled it first. And he probably was the world's first guy. To go out and deliver Coca-Cola by the case, uh, it's, and that the photos in the in the book. I'd like to have somebody enhance it and ma- make the photo available just as single copies, because I've had collectors ask me about it. You know,
0: it's interesting. interesting.
2: Yeah, and it's the uh, you know it's the kind of thing you if you dig deep enough you find a lot of that.
0: Talking about uh, African Americans. Mary Alexander, do you talk about her in your book at all?
2: No, I didn't, but uh, I can give you a Coca-Cola-related story. In fact, I, I just talked to the gentleman uh, last week, and he just today sent me some photos. There's a, a, a gentleman in uh, Thibodeau, Louisiana, okay? way down in Cajun country, who worked for Coca-Cola for 30 years. And he started out while he was in college, worked his way up into a management position, you know, from driving a forklift to being on the trucks, et cetera. He's a, he's a black man, a great guy. And Coca-Cola gave him the liberty of scheduling that he could get into football well he wanted to be a football player but he he didn't make the cut so he got into refereeing part time you know he'd go and referee the the high school games and then from there he got pretty good at it They, they picked him up for the college games and he ended up doing things like the rose bowl and so forth but even more important and this is the story last november and i don't have the game the the date in front of me, but there was a game you may recall last November that NFL promoted as being the first game where all referees would be black. Huh. And he, and he was one of them. He's been an NFL referee for years. He, he is, he was in that group of all black referees. He sent me pictures of him. Uh, and he's been in, uh, you know, two, he's refereed two Super Bowls, you know. The, the man's fantastic, and he loves to talk about it. He loves to talk about his football and his Coca-Cola. And it was because Coca-Cola allowed him the time to pursue a second passion called football. And look at where it's taken him. He's he's retired now after 30 years at Coke, but he's still resident. And you're going to see him on the fields this year. He's already got his schedule for NFL football this year. His name is uh, Ray Johnson. Oh. Um, and um, I'm sorry, not Ricardo Johnson. And he's an amazing an amazing guy. He, he sent me a picture, which, of course, being here in Louisiana, he said, I know how you feel about this, and I'm going to send you this one, too. It is him, obviously, in some sort of a rule discussion with Drew Brees. You know, and they're both smiling. They're both happy. You know, but I mean, I just I worship Drew Brees as a quarterback, and here's 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 this referee and Drew just discussing some recent call. I guess, fantastic. fantastic. But again, Coca Cola, Coca Cola yes. reaches so many people in so many ways.
0: They make trailblazers. And they sure do. That is unique about Coke. It, it's an American genius. It's it's fabulous what Coke has done. So what yeah. has been your most memorable experience going through this history of Coca-Cola? Well, I think
2: it, we have to group it because it, it comes up uh, fairly frequently is is the families. You know, in, in, in developing a story there are fourth and fifth generation families that are still operating that Coca-Cola plant. Of course, the plant is bigger and better and more modern, but it's those same families where great-great-grandpa fell in love with doing Coca-Cola and the history they tell and how, you know, it wasn't an easy thing necessarily to, to get it going. And they tell the story of of what great grandpa did to to get that thing going, and, and how the families got involved and grew with it over the years. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of them since that obviously have sold, and and it, it, like everything in business, consolidated. Uh, you know, and as highways got better, those that survived started consolidating, where they would have plants you know 20 30 miles apart now they could service those territories from one plant and they could improve the bottling capabilities at that one plant and shut down the other one so trucking became an important part you know when you're driving down the road i guarantee you it's not going to take long before you see a coca-cola truck a big semi hauling coca-cola
0: that's true and and it's remarkable so, you have a website. It's called The Coca Cola Trail. Can right. You tell us about your website, the products that you offer for people. Um,
2: basically, what's on the website is both of the books. Uh, and, and we will offer, and now I sound like the old salesman here, but we do offer a discount if they buy them both. The only other thing I, we've got a little memorabilia on there that we've accumulated, and wanted to see it get into another home, because I don't collect memorabilia. That's a, I, I you know that's a that's a whole other life for some people. And also on that website, you will see cola, pepper jelly. We did that just really as something to to go with. Promoting the Coca-Cola, and it is a product. It's a pepper jelly that is made with the original Coca-Cola syrup. It's not made with sugar. It's made with the Coca-Cola syrup. Consequently, uh, it's got a great Coca-Cola flavor to it as well as being a pepper jelly. So other than that, we concentrate. I think I've got one of the other books that i would written on there, which is uh, a book about a community here in Louisiana called Hot Wells, which was a, uh, we call it a Louisiana ghost because that's about all that's left of it now. But at one time, it was one of those extremely popular hot mineral well water resorts, you know. And the book tells how it how it was born and how it died. But pretty much work Coca-Cola on the, on the website. So and invite your listeners to take a look, see, see about the Coca-Cola Trail, you know.
0: Well, we, we will definitely leave links for that for you.
2: And and we will do if if there's a. Uh, in fact, I had a lady from Clemson contact me a couple weeks ago, and she has scheduled me to do a Zoom conference with a With a group that they have at Clemson that deals with the history of products and things in the United States, and I get a lot of that. I get people that say, "Well you know we'd like to do something with with our group or you know we have a group of students and so i I'll, I'll make the book available basically at cost uh to any any of the groups that all you do is contact us and say, "Hey, this is what we're going to do. we'd like to have the book." to To go along with the conference, and uh, we're glad to help them out. It just
0: spread the word. So, how can people contact you to have you get involved with their group?
2: Well, I, if if they simply go to the website, you can leave a message on the website, which immediately gets to me. Uh, you know that's the that's the simplest way. Just go to the Coca-Cola Trail dot com. There's a place where you can leave a message. And in fact, that's where a lot of these people have found me is through that. It'll it'll go to the website, and it'll immediately get forwarded to me, uh, and then we, and then we respond directly either to that person's email, or if they put their phone in, we'll call them up and talk to them. What do you need? Let's make it happen. That type of thing. That's that's the simplest way. I think in in my book, if I'm not mistaken, I think I've got my email address in the book uh and it's also on the website. Um uh, it has the email address has no coca cola <laughs> in it. It's my company name, which is GL like George Little, GL Management. So if you go to GL Management40 at gmail dot com, that'll come right up on my computer or my cell phone or whatever, you know. We're connected. We we stay connected, that's for sure. So love to talk. And, and by the way, if anybody's got an idea, I, I think I'm trapped into doing the, the third book. I don't know what we're going to call it, but I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm open for some more. You didn't do's, you know. So if you got one in your backyard, my only restriction is it's got to be something that is accessible. By the public, you know. Don't send me uh, information on a Coca-Cola plant that's now got a bunch of lawyers with offices in it. That doesn't work. But t- tell me about a Coca-Cola plant that's now maybe a brew pub, or maybe it's a little shopping mall, or whatever it is. That's what we want to hear. The one in Paducah got a pizza joint in it. It's got a brew pub. Uh, it's got a couple of gift stores. And it's a beautiful old Coca-Cola plant that in itself is worth seeing. So that's what we're looking for. Or or tell me about the sign in your neighborhood that, that they're raising money to save, because I love those. Those are great, too.
0: Well, it's great what you're doing. You're preserving history of a very iconic brand, and you're making that name recognition stand out again. It's a wonderful thing. I want to say thank you for being on the Dead America podcast.
2: And well, thank you. I
0: hope you have a wonderful day, Larry.
2: We sure will, Ed. Thank you. It's it's always a lot of fun to talk about uh, my favorite project, and uh, uh, I hope you all have a good holiday weekend. We got a good one coming up, and you know, good excuse to drink a cold Coca Cola.
0: Amen. And I love your passion, Larry. You keep it up.
2: We'll do it. Thank you, Ed. You take care.
0: Thank you for listening into to the podcast episode today. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. Also, please follow us on any of your podcast players. Or if you'd like to get a little more personal with us and really identify what we truly are about and get involved with what we are doing, make sure you go over to the Google Play Store and download our new app. We can't wait to get involved with you. And that's going to finish up this episode of the Dead America podcast. Make sure you come back next week and follow along for another great interview. I'm Ed Waters, out.